for the last time in at least a fortnight, uh, Carlos Alberto Diego joins in the studio. He's got far more important places to be than here <laughs> the next fortnight. Hello to you, sir. Anyway, Andy, uh, listen, uh, I still have my daily radio shows off air with people all around the place, and I'm sure where I'm going to a bit of a, holiday, a, bit of a break in, uh, in Asia, there'll be a lot of VPL to talk about. Uh, last round, of course, and then there's a Champions League, FA Cup. This is the best. Have I talked to you about the best tour the be- the best tour of football you could ever do at right now. If you can get to the UK yeah, this yeah. weekend, watch, you know, the last round of VPL, one yeah. of the games or a couple of the games because they're on different days. Yeah. Uh, actually, I think they are. I think they might be on the same, same day. day. But yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, go and watch something there. Uh, the the pub league playoffs. Well, yeah, anything below champions championship and uh, and you know league one, league two, and so all the playoffs are during the week. Yeah. Uh, you got the FA Cup coming up. Uh, on the 22nd of May. You've got the Champions League on the 28th. You've got the Europa Cup. You've got the last round of uh, Spanish football. You're going to pop over the, the Real Madrid or something. And you've got Italy too. So, so what do you need about six weeks? No, no. You, you could do it all in about three weeks. Three weeks, okay. Three right weeks on. and you just football every second day. Awesome. Important games. Going off to watch the, the playoffs of the lower leagues is one of the best be things awesome. you can do. That'd be awesome. That'd be great. Okay, w- w- tell me about, with the EPL finishing up, um, and you know, there's the fly in the ointment with Liverpool, Europa League. How, mm. do, the, how do the Champions League pl- positions and placing, how does that all play itself out? Yeah, well, it's, it's, a, it's a little bit complicated because, obviously, if Liverpool win the Europa Cup, uh, the, the final, they actually get an automatic spot into the group stage yep. of the Champions League yep. next year. And so people are asking, well, what happens then to the, you know, the top four? The number of English teams. Yeah, the number of English teams. Well, because Liverpool is, uh, is the winner of the, if, if they win the Europa Cup, they actually go straight in as a, uh, into the group stage of the Champions League next year. Uh, if, they had, if they don't win it, it's just the top four. Top three automatically go into the group stage yeah. of the Champions League. The fourth place has a bit of a playoff pre-season to try and make their way into the group stage. So the top four are Champions League. If Liverpool win, they go in, and so it's five teams. So five English five teams. Five English yep. teams. Yep. Yep. And then you've got your um, uh, Europa, Europa League places. The fifth place is going into the group stage, and the sixth place is a playoff again for the Europa League, which is equivalent of your kissing your sister European yeah. type thing. But, you know, people like to play, especially if they go deep into that competition and they get the Champions League like Liverpool might the following year. So, uh, uh, the only time where complicates it, the only time when uh, one of the top four misses out is when a team like Man City, for example, if they went all the way and won the Champions League and finished outside the top four, yeah. they they one the the fourth place drops out and they go in yeah. as a as yep. a Champions as a League champion. Yeah, that's yep, right. Yep, yep. So what's is it conceivable to you? I mean it. It's conceivable because it's a chance that it might happen. But Man City, with all the money they've spent <laughs> on their squad this year, and this is what was always going to happen with Leicester and Tottenham holding their spot at the top of the table, that one of these big money clubs was a chance of missing out. And that became a really fascinating, fascinating conversation. There's a real chance that Man City will not qualify for the Champions League next year. Absolutely. We've got, uh, we've got Man U with two games remaining. The big game against my old West Ham tomorrow morning, which is going to be huge. West Ham can still, with a bit of luck, make the Champions League. Yep. Uh, everything's got to go their way, but they can still make it. They're playing their last game at Upton Park, the bowling ground that I love going to whenever I... Uh, 
uh, yeah, get to the UK. Well, they're moving to the Olympic Stadium. So this is a huge game for West Ham. And they've been a really good team. Forget about last weekend when they lost 4-1 against Swansea at home. Amazingly. I don't know how that happened. But uh, but really, they've had a fantastic season. And they're a team that now are recruiting already for next year. And they're acting like a club that should be up there all the time, it's which awesome. is fantastic. Something I want to ask you about that, um, about the recruiting um, in a moment. But on the end of Upton Park. We understand commerce. We understand modernity. We understand all of those things, right? But I, I think the, almost the quote of the year came from Slavin Billich this week. Did you read what he said about, he said, Highbury felt dangerous. <laughs> Emirates is for selfies. Yeah, it's true. So, it's true. so you know, you go to yeah. where they used to, where Arsenal yeah. used to play and you felt intimidated as an opposition player. Yeah. Now, Oh, no, no, this everyone comes here just to take photos. And players go yeah. out there and start taking photos of themselves. You trade something. The question I want, you trade something away. And we went through this you know, 20 years ago here in this city with the Indigenous game in this part of the world. And these clubs, you hope they know what they're letting go of. We understand money. We understand modern facilities. We understand all of that. There's a trade-off, and there, there's something you might lose as a result of saying goodbye to these residential stadia yep. that have become such a synonymous part of English football um, that you may never ever get back again. Yeah, but uh, it's the accountants that run. Oh, of course, it the is. accountants run these clubs these days. These accountants don't have any sentiment to their decision making. It's all about number of seats. How uh, you know if there's premium prices for certain games, they work it all out beforehand. It's all about filling that stadium. I mean, even a team like Liverpool, uh, Anfield, mm. it, that that that's a cathedral. It is. That, that's a that's the altar of football. I mean, they talk about the European nights at Anfield and the boot room and all. They're thinking of they, they, a few years ago. They thought they were actually going to move, and, can't and there was even move. talk about sharing with Everton at, uh, an, at a place where Stanley Park or whatever. Stop it! But. It's, that's not going to happen, but they're, they're going to build a few probably extra levels or something mm. on it to, because they know they have to because it's all about competing now. Mm. Uh, this is a, this is, the stage is the world for EPL. I mean, just a, just a quick story. I was in the Amazon, would you believe, about uh, <laughs> 10 years ago, the Amazon. And, Actually, uh, at the, as in the yeah, rainforest. Yeah, the rain, yep, yeah, yep, rainforest. Yep, yep. We took a, you know, we were in uh, Guyana in, yeah. the, in South America, and we decided to take a, a boat ride up the, uh, you know, the Amazon River, and uh, <laughs> we went about forty-five to an hour up the Amazon River. No one around, and there was a there was a place we could stay in the jungle, right? And we were because there was only about three or four couples there. Yeah. Uh, the owner used to invite us around for dinner at his at in his sort of uh, plantation sort of place. So we were walking in. It was dark. It was. We were in the middle of the jungle. Anyway, as I'm walking up the stairs, I could hear Martin Tyler's call uh, of a Leicester City versus, you know, Tranmere Rovers championship game mid midway. This is how big this game is. Yep. That was a championship game many years ago. So yep. uh, I, I would think if you're a footballer of the highest repute, you would be recognised anywhere around the world. And the point is, it's all linked to money now. They've all dis- they've yep, discovered course. the way of how to link this to finances and money and more money and TV rights. And it's just unbelievable, the dollars. I want to talk to you because it's all started. It's all started, even though the season is, and you've mentioned, um, you know, that, that West Ham's looking beyond this year already to start shoring up its list. I wait to the news this morning. So I went to a piece of news this morning as a Liverpool supporter that actually sent a chill through me. And that is that uh, Pochettino is, has already said to the chairman at Tottenham, go get me Adam Lallana. Go get me Adam Lallana. On a t-. Now, everyone knows that Jurgen Klopp's going to go on this big spin and there's a couple of big ticket items he's after. 
But I say to you, and I'd love to hear from um, some callers, 9429-1116, not, not the best players, because they're all, you, don't even, you never want to lose your superstar best players, right? But I love what James Milner and Adam Lallana have brought to Liverpool. They, they seem, seem to me to be heart and soul guys, week in, week out, who put it on the line and play wholehearted. I would hate to see Lallana leave Liverpool, despite who Jurgen Klopp wants to bring in. I'm saying to Liverpool, to John Henry, do not let Adam Lallana go. Whatever you have to pay to keep this guy, you've got to keep Adam Lallana. And I ask you mm. and the audience, nine four two nine eleven sixteen, who are those players who you just do not want to see lost to your club? Am I right in my assessment of what Lallana's brought to Liverpool? You know, the in the modern game, I think across sport, AFL, EPL, whatever it is, who are the untouchables? Those untouchable players that yeah. just cannot trade. Well, this is not—he's not one of those, right? He's yeah. not an untouchable because he's not Lionel Messi or yeah. he's not one of those guys. But I'm saying to you, he brings more than a lot of big. He might there might be blokes who are getting paid three times what he gets paid. Yeah, but he brings more in terms of he seems to me anyway. But Klopp might say, listen, if he's mid-contract, uh, you know, we can sell him for this much. 20 mil or whatever, 20 million pound. And we get Goetze, get Goetze from uh, yep. from Germany, who I know has got all what Lalana's got, but more. So, But is he going to play for the strip? Is he going to... Uh, do, does that really, Andy, do, does anyone... I mean, the, a good professional these days for me is a person who, during the life of their contract, bleeds for that team. When he's that's there. A, that's right. a good professional. Yep. But the next contract, it's like a Vardy. I mean, if, if James Vardy leaves... Uh, of course, people will be disappointed. But while he was there, he gave heart and soul. If he moves to a bigger club, they'll probably, you know, throw a party for him. Good on you, well done. I think that's the, the viewpoint now. There's not many, but there's, I, 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 we've already seen it with the A League. It's been a week since the A League Grand Final, and already mm. Goodwin's gone from Adelaide. kamau mm. has gone. Uh, we saw in the week after, days after the um, the Melbourne City, when they were asked, we saw all these retirements, all these players gone. Uh, we saw with West Indy Wanderers, they, they've already uh, moved on three of their imports yeah. and plus another three players within a week of the A-League Grand Finals uh, you know, being over. So I think these days, as the, what you can demand is absolute loyalty, blood, sweat and tears while you're there. And then business decisions have to be made from a club perspective and also from a uh, player agent and also player perspective. I always think it's the sum of the parts, though. I always think it's the sum. I think there's players who just bring something mm. that makes the team while they're there a better team. And yeah. I feel like he's one of those guys. I just feel yeah. like Alana's one of those players, and it feels like he's been a bit of a missing nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Not necessarily the the kind of the off Broadway types, the guys that aren't yep. your household names, but the blokes at your club, the clubs that you support, who you would just hate to see moved on. Nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Scott's in Craigieburn, however, and just wants to join in the conversation we're having before the break about Adam Alana. Hi, Scott. G'day, boys. G'day, Nemesis. G'day, uh, Diego. How are you, mate? Good, Guru. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Look, um, don't tell well, me Adam Lallana can't play, Scotty. I know you don't like Aaron Moy. Now, don't tell me he can't play. Um, uh, to be honest, Andy, I think he's one of the most important players in our team. He starts the press, and I think that's why Klopp likes him so much, and he plays him. Mm. If you watched his game um, the other night um, against uh, Villarreal, he just pressed and pressed and pressed. They just kept coughing the ball up in our in our front half. He was absolutely fantastic. And the biggest knocks he has on him from our supporters is not enough assists, 
not enough goals, and he's starting to turn that around at the moment. And I think I'd seriously rather keep him in the team than Milner. Like Milner, I reckon my grandmother could cross the ball better than him. He can never get it past the first bloody defender. And the other guy I want to give a big mention to, and he's the same one. He's always crucified all year. Is Joe Perlo? I'm telling you, every game he's played, he hasn't put a foot wrong this year. Like he needs another contract. But I know he's got a year left. But the usual thing is they sell him off. But he's been fantastic this year. And the two sell players, easily. Ben Teke's got to go. I mean, Rogers needed his head red. He says that Andy Carroll doesn't fit our game style, yet he brings in Ben Teke as the same player. It's what's ironic uh, there, Scott. Uh, they're talking about uh, West Ham going for Ben Teke, which is uh, given that they've got Carroll anyway. So they're going for the big monsters up front. Uh, with, with Lilana, it's interesting. You know, people's got... You know, Liverpool fans, I think they're justified in, in saying he doesn't score enough goals because when he was at Southampton, he was a brilliant player. Mm. Scoring goals, assists, he was in everything. And that's what led to the the, uh, the move to, to Liverpool. And as far as James Mills is concerned, the cross he, he lobbed up uh, for, who was it, um, Lovren? Lovren? Uh, it, yeah, it was, yeah, it was yeah, in the yeah. semi-final yeah, against Dortmund. In the in the dying seconds, that lo- that cross there was just a beautiful cross. It went okay. Yeah, so uh, James Milner can play. Look, I I think once they got rid of Suarez, once they felt they could move Suarez, who was one of the top three best players in the world at the time when they let him go to Barcelona, uh, I, I'm thinking everyone is on the market. Basically, everyone in that team's on the market that they could be replaced by someone better. Yeah, uh, that didn't end up very well though. <laughs> <laughs> Eighteen minutes to three. We touched on it. Uh, I think the story kind of broke maybe about this time last week with Lucas Neal. And just to the, the end of our, our half an hour together, we spoke the hour together. We spoke about Lucas Neal briefly. Um, there's been a bit more through the week. And I know but Mark Bosnich, his former teammate and friend, has spoken about him. And Boz has been good enough to join us. Uh, great, man. Always good to hear your voice on the radio station. How are you going? Uh, very good, thank you. Afternoon, gentlemen. And just before we start, Andy, I just want to say congratulations for, from all of us, all your fans, on the uh, Logie Award for the coverage of the Big Bash. Well done, mate. You're, you're a beautiful man, Bozza. Mm, uh, uh, a very small role that I played. <laughs> <laughs> very small role I played. It. Hey, hey, Boz, have you, have you by any chance in the last week made any contact with, had any contact with Lucas Neal? No, um, I spoke to a mutual friend um, and reached out once again. Uh, the mutual friend doesn't know whether or not he's overseas or whether he's here. Um, so I, I to- asked him to keep me informed um, because if he's here, um, even if he doesn't want to go see me, at least I'll go and see him. Um, that it's pretty pretty difficult to avoid the bozo when he comes to see you. <laughs> so I, 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 that's the only thing I can do. Um, look, I, I reached out to him about six months ago and a little bit later, uh, earlier than that as well. Um, which case he didn't want to speak to me, which I fully understood. Uh, that was through a, a, another friend, Mark Robinson, who he's got over here. Um, so, look, all you can do in these situations is continue to try. Um, you know, I, I, people would have read in the age down in Melbourne and up here to Herald um, what Robbie Slater and I both said about him on the weekend. Um, regardless of the image that he has in Australian football, um, he's a good, lead, a good lad deep down. I, I, he came to my wedding um, uh, when, uh, when he was a very young boy. He stayed at my house in Manchester uh, with his father. And I also helped him out when he was in London. Um, but uh, it, 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 look, from my experience, my own personal experience, the bottom line is this too as well, what people got to understand is if you don't want to be helped, you will not be helped. Um, um, people can go and, and say and do what you want, but until you're ready to drink that water, uh, it doesn't matter where anyone puts you. Bozza, it's Carlos. Uh, the Diego say hello, by the way. Yeah, uh, Diego. Yeah, mate, uh, 
you're much. Can I, can I, sorry to interrupt you. Can I just ask one question? Why are you talking about a team in the Premier League that's coming eight? Now, Bozza, with that laugh, especially you're much yeah. loved. You are much loved. But like mm. you, you sort of alluded to the fact that uh, you know many years ago you went through a bit of a dark time yourself, yeah. and, and one of your reactions to that was to distance yourself from family and friends. Yep. Uh, so you, for me, I, I thought of you straight away when the Lucas Neal story came out. What's yep. he actually feeling right now? He hasn't reached out yet, uh, but what's well, he feeling it, now that's stopping him from doing yeah, that? Look, look, from my own experience, I don't know if this translates to Lucas, but generally it was like, look, I don't want to hear or see or talk to anyone. I don't owe anyone anything. I don't want to hear or see or talk to anyone. Um, I'm feeling down. I'm feeling low. And basically, until I'm ready... Um, that's what he feels like. I don't want to see or hear anyone. Uh, you can get very touchy about that at that stage. Now, I had a substance habit as well, which was sort of keeping me going, and I very much doubt that Lucas would have that. Mm. Um, but so that was something for me to escape personally. So I could escape reality by, by taking that stuff. And that's basically what it was. It was a way to escape reality. Um, but um, Lucas' situation, and, and what people got to realise, obviously, with the bankruptcy thing as well, there are a satellite of people over, well, there are in over in England uh, who look at young, rich footballers and, and basically as marks and, and to try to basically rip them off, so to speak. So I had an experience uh, with it as well. So until we're 100% certain of what's going on, I think it, it's, it's very easy for us to, to throw rocks. That's understandable, um, but we shouldn't do until we know exactly. We don't know if he's been defrauded that money. We don't know what's going on. Um, but the longer that he stays in recluse and the longer he stays away from everything, it leads people to speculate in this, in this day and age of instant news. Um, in the, whereas in the past, staying quiet was seen a sign of strength. These days, when you stay quiet, it's been a sign of, like, basically what's going on, of suspicion. So, I, I look, I, you know, I think right now the most important thing is that somebody goes and sees him who, who generally cares about him, maybe his parents, uh, or somebody used to say, look, listen, that, you know, people are here, especially in Australia, still love you. I think you still do a great job on television. Mm. Um, I've told him that in the past as well. He, he's our most capped outfield player. He's got some wonderful experience. Uh, he's a good-looking boy. He's well-spoken. And I think he's still got a lot to offer here on television. Um, but uh, until, like I said, that person in that situation is ready to come out, um, it's very difficult to, to try to convince them of any anything different. Now, Bozza, obviously the bankruptcy story is a thing that sort of blown this up. For me, that's just a salacious part of it, which I ain't, you know, it doesn't, for me, that's not a measure of how how good a character someone is because they've no. made some bad business decisions. But I want to take it back to what went wrong with him and the Australian public or just mm. generally, what do you think went wrong there? Because there seems to be this divide for, yeah. for a player who should be one of our legends. Well, look, I think that, look, I came back in 2008 and I, I took a look at all these boys that I once knew and they're doing so well for the Socceroos and I gradually noticed that the 2016 um, had drifted away from the public. Um, I, I think personally, um, looking at them from the outside, I mean, they did superbly well to get to the World Cup in 2006, but they got to the round of 16. They didn't win it or anything like that. But when I saw them when I came back here in 2008, it was very difficult. A lot of people were telling me a lot of stories, and I only knew these guys as little kids who used to be sort of gawky-eyed looking at me. But as I watched them very, very closely, I think gradually they slipped away from the Australian public um, in terms of sort of probably getting a little bit out of control. Uh, and that was management's fault. But what do you do if you pin for bait? If you hold OSEC, you come here, you see who the top men are, you want to make sure you don't upset them, you pretty much let them keep doing what they're doing. And as that divide got further and further. All it took was, was basically what happened. Um, those two floggings. I think a lot of people in the Australian public, especially Australian football public, were actually deep down in a weird way sort of, sort of saying, well, serves themselves right. 
and an ant came in and, and basically cleared deck, something that should have been done probably a couple of years earlier. So I think that's where the divide started. That around the, say, just before the 2010 World Cup, but definitely during that period, and they, they, they got out a little bit out of control, and they basically didn't have the results to back it up. And, and I think a lot of them stayed around, including Lucas, a little bit too long. Mm. So, Bozza, what do you think... I mean, what was the point where you said, I need to change, I need to now reach out, I need mm. to... Um, was, there, was there a moment? And, and what, what, what advice would you give Lucas right now, uh, maybe to search for that moment? I still haven't re- reached that moment. <laughs> no, it was a, um, look, somebody approached me. I was Bill Walensky and, uh, through Graham Arnold and John Bolte, who was with the FFA, come down to see a friend of mine and I um, right down in Knightsbridge where, where I lived in, in London. And basically, you know, like, it just sort of said, look, and then the way they did it was very important. They didn't force it upon me. They said, look, you know, would, you, you know, would you consider coming back? And I, told, I remember telling him at the time, are you sure? You know, I said, Australian football is doing so well. I've got more luggage than the Queen, you know. I said, <laughs> they said, no. They said, look, just give it a try. So I said, okay. And it was important, obviously, that I made up with my parents. Cause I, said, I was estranged from them for a while. So it was, that, that was basically the point. It was when I was ready. It's sort of like when you're sort of strong in yourself. And, and by that time, I'd been clean anyway of the drugs. Because when, you, when you're sort of on the drugs, like I was at that time, you're not thinking about anything else, but the next time you're going you're gonna to do that. So when you get back and you sort of, you know, your muscle memory kicks in and you're sort of getting up every day and you're working out and so forth, and then you're sort of looking, looking for a challenge. So, so I went over, and so that was, but that, was, you know, that took a good, you know, two or three years. So only advice I would say to him is check the environment that you're in. And when I say the environment, he's obviously with his wife and his kids, and that would, that would be a, a, a good environment under any circumstances, um, especially the kids, the unconditional love and your wife. Um, but then maybe outside that, you know, just maybe talk to a few people who, who generally, like I said, care about you and have done for the, from, from the start of your life before all this uh, up until now and still do. And putting your pride to one side too, boss, just before we let no. you go. He's obviously a really proud man, Lucas Neal, and he'd yeah. be feeling ashamed and he's he probably bi- he's probably yeah. bitter and he probably still yeah. wishes he was, you know, you say he hung on yeah. for too long. He probably feels like there's a bit of a chip on his shoulder about, hmm. you know, being tapped on the shoulder and said, your days are up. He's just got to park the pride and, and, and face up to yeah. it all. Marzi, um, and I found this out to, um, um, to my cost that a lot of times, too much pride is a weakness. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, and, everyone's, and everyone's got to learn that. Um, it's, it's very easy, but... You know, he, he's been the most capped Australian player. He, was, he performed outstandingly well, uh, besides giving away that penalty in 2006. Um, you know, he, he was a great captain. He'd he done very well in the Premier League. Um, but he's got nothing to be ashamed of and, and feel bad about um, uh, at all. All right, Buzzer, you love your cricket. I, I know you love your cricket. Oh, I said to Carlos uh, before that if you go back to that time when he was captain of that team and it was on top of the world, no side outside of the Australian cricket team and maybe even more than the Australian cricket team, maybe even more than the Australian cricket team, the Socceroos can unite Australia, arguably unlike any other side in Australia. And when they were top of the heap, Lucas Neal was, was, he was the king. He was the man in Australian sport. Like I said, you know, but when you say top of the heap, that's, that's the one thing, and that's one issue I take up with people. The highest they ever got to ranking-wise is 14 in the world. Yeah, that's right. And, and what they've got to remember is, as well, as great as the achievement was getting to 2006, an amazing achievement, and getting to the final 16, it's the final 16. So, you know, there, there should have been progression from there. In you know, the 2007 Asian Cup, there were signs, apparently, uh, from the people that I've talked about. They had a disastrous exit. And then 2010 World Cup was a debacle. So... That, that adulation, which is absolutely fine, but you've got to earn that every time. You know, one of the things that we, I remember we used to work hard in all types of conditions because you want to continue 
having that adulation. Um, but you can't expect that if things are starting to go pear-shaped. And, and things, in my opinion, were starting to go pear-shaped just before 2010. And a lot of people could see that. But I think what it was is a lot of people were given so much adulation and put them on such a pedestal, they were too scared then basically to say to them, look, listen, time to pull your head in a little bit, guys. And I think that, that schism had developed between the Australian public and especially the football public and some of those top players. And that's what happens. The top players, like you said, Lucas and, and, and people like that, were the king. And rightly so, when things are going well. When things don't go so well, it's those top players, those same top players, who, who will bear the brunt of the criticism. Mm, that's mm. sport. That's the way it goes. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's all pretty intoxicating. Mate, we've taken up too much of your time. No, we no, really... no problem. Uh, just a quick plug for me tonight. I'll be on the back page. So anyone listening, uh, make sure we watch it. I think we will talk about the Lucas Neal situation as well. Uh, you're always worth watching no matter where you are, my friend, and no matter what you're doing. Thanks for making yourself available Bye-bye. to us again today. Mark Bosnich, one of the fine... Man, and it's a multi-layered story, Carlos. You know, what a, what a resource we have in oh. Australian football. What he went through, especially every young player, their parents, PFA, if you're listening out there, you should have him on. You should have him on your on your books yep. to talk to every young player, every mistake, and uh, and deal with and how you come back from that. David Schwartz mm. is mm. an asset for young footballers because of what he's been through. Mark Bosnich should be used exactly. I could not mm. agree with you more. Mm. Carlos Alberto Diego going to take a couple of weeks off. Uh, we've got a couple of pretty important friendlies coming up, um, given you know the the next phase of Asian Cup qualification. Um, the World Cup qualification, I should yep. say, through Asia. Uh, the the game against England is going to be problematic, is it not? We're all looking forward to it, but mm. what sort of Australian team we're going to be fielding? Well, it's interesting. We've uh, you know England will have their best side two weeks after that game. There they'll be playing their first game in the Euros, so they're going to be playing their best team. Uh, probably you know just out of their season also, uh, maybe a week or two out of their season. So they're going to be fit and ready to go with a real purpose. Socceroos are it's a, it's not a international. Window, no. So suddenly, all the all the players in China, uh, and these days, you know, your Timmy Kales, your Matt Spiranoviches, some good players are playing. Trent Sainsbury uh, playing some decent football over there. They won't be available necessarily unless their club lets them go, which is unlikely. Uh, unlikely. I, I think yeah. Timmy Kale, from his brand perspective, would love to play against England, scoring against England at his age with yeah. all his business interests. I think he'll do everything he can to get over there, but I'm not sure whether the rest of them will be. Uh, Matthew Leckie uh, getting married, <laughs> which is pretty practical, and uh, Matt, uh, Matt Luongo, his wife's uh, going to have a baby at that time. I also know Jason Davidson's getting married in that window there, but his name's not been mentioned. So, <laughs> it's going to be an uh, interesting team that'll be selected. Yeah, yeah. So they're talking about A-League players who haven't played in weeks. Maybe representing Australia at the Stadium of Light against, against England. A reasonably sharp English tone. <laughs> and motivated. Where they're all playing, the, playing, absolutely. For, yeah, playing for absolutely. spots. So it'll be interesting. That will be interesting. Yeah. Hey, you have a good couple of weeks off. Thanks, mate. And we'll catch up with you when you get back.